This is a special bonus episode of Jury Duty, The Killing of Ahmad Arbery. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. In this episode, I am joined again by award-winning journalist Haley Mason, who has covered the events surrounding the killing of Ahmad Arbery since May of 2020. Mason, who reports for Atlanta-based TV channel CBS 46, recounts for jury duty the closing arguments and the verdicts in the federal hate crimes trial of Travis and Greg McMichael and William Roddy Bryan. Haley also shares some of the substance of her conversations with Ahmaud Arbery's mother, Wanda Cooper-Jones, after the verdicts were read. And she reflects on her own experience of covering this story for nearly two years. We will be back with my conversation with Haley Mason right after the break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Haley Mason, thank you again for joining us. Certainly. Thank you for having me back on. Since we last spoke, the closing arguments were made and verdicts have been delivered in the trial of the McMichaels and William Roddy Bryan for committing hate crimes in the process of killing Ahmaud Arbery. Can you tell us what the gist of both the prosecution and the defense closing arguments were? Yes. So essentially, the lead prosecutor, Chris Paris, brought the jury back over those five days of evidence and culminated in saying that the McMichaels and their neighbor, William Roddy Bryan, uh, chased down and killed Ahmaud Arbery based on racial assumptions, racial anger, and racial resentment. And he began to spell out categorically uh, pieces of evidence that pointed to racial animus on behalf of each defendant. And so they did not present the video again. He did not present the graphic autopsy photos again, but he presented the thoughts of the defendants in their own words, through their own text messages, through their own social media posts, and through their own private um, social media messages with friends that outlined just how negatively and disparagingly they thought of African-American people, that they aligned African-Americans with being criminals, with being subhuman, and a number of other racial and derogatory slurs and epithets. And so that was how the prosecution spelled out the motivation behind the killing of Ahmaud Arbery. And then they broke down the law that Ahmaud Arbery was jogging on a public street, and they interfered with his right to use that public street They pointed out that there was a kidnapping attempt, that they used their trucks and their guns to try to forcibly detain Ahmaud Arbery against his will, which resulted in his death. The last count was essentially that they used a firearm in the commission of a crime. The defense attorneys each made it a point not to try to excuse racism. They said very clearly that they would not get up and try to excuse racism, that their clients had used, quote, vile and disgusting language, but still tried to convince the jury that despite all that, that hate crimes 
were not at the center of this. They were vigilant neighbors trying to solve crime and protect the neighborhood. And that seemed to just fall flat on the jury. The prosecutor, Chris Perez, said that there is a big difference between being vigilant and being a vigilante. And I do believe that's what ultimately stuck with the jurors. The McMichaels and Bryan's actions extended far beyond being vigilant, but were rooted in something much deeper and were fueled by racial hate. How long did the jury deliberate? The jury deliberated less than four hours total. They got the case on Monday afternoon at 3.01 p.m. They broke before 6 p.m. Monday. They came back in at 9 a.m. Tuesday and were done by around 9.50 Tuesday morning, so less than four hours, and they had a unanimous guilty verdict across the board for each defendant and each charge. And what was the reaction in the courtroom and in the courthouse when those verdicts were read? I do want to note that Judge Lisa Wood made sure to announce that emotional outbursts would not be allowed. And if anyone felt that they could not contain their emotions, they would be asked to leave the courtroom before the verdicts were read. So with that in mind, the Arbery family, as those guilty verdicts were read out one by one, they had to exercise a certain level of restraint, although they were very happy to see these guilty verdicts read out. Ahmaud Arbery's mother let out a little bit of emotion. His father pushed his head back, and you could tell that he was moving in like a stance of prayer and thanks and gratitude. The jury foreman was a black man who led this jury, and he too showed a bit of an emotional response after this was over. And he was very attentive throughout the trial. I saw him taking copious notes, tracking the prosecution or the defense attorney and the witness with his eyes back and forth, back and forth, leaning forward, taking notes. And he was one of a few different jurors who was attentive in that manner, but he stood out because he was on the front row and he was the only black male juror. I guess it could be said that it wasn't a surprise, at least not to me, that he was chosen as the jury foreman to lead this effort. I asked Ahmad Arbery's mother, Ms. Wanda Cooper-Jones, after those guilty verdicts were read, was it symbolic to you in any way that a black man served as the foreman in seeking justice in this case about racial hatred in the case of your black son. And she said, you know, I thought about him often in this case because I saw that he wore his hair in a similar style as Ahmad. She said he probably saw himself in Ahmad, and I do believe that that was the case, she said. Can you tell us more about the statements made by Wanda Cooper-Jones after the verdicts were read? Certainly. Ahmaud Arbery's mother has been resolute and very focused toward her push for justice for her son. And that is multi-tiered. There was justice that she sought in not only getting this case off the ground to bring charges against these three men, but also to get it to court, to a criminal trial. That was not going to happen if it weren't for her pushing and her family pushing the criminal justice system to debunk the myth that Ahmaud Arbery had committed a break-in. That was the original narrative. And so when Ms. Wonder Cooper-Jones and Mr. Marcus Arbery walked out on the front steps of the courthouse, they shouted out victory. And Ahmad Arbery's mother spoke about being grateful to this jury for rendering these three guilty verdicts. 
but she was very focused on lambasting the Department of Justice. She did not forget that the DOJ struck a plea deal with the three defendants. She said they struck a plea deal with these three murderers against my wishes. She said she pleaded with the Department of Justice, with Kristen Clark and the lead prosecutor, Tara Lyons. She called them out by name, saying she pleaded with them on the Sunday before the court hearing. And she says, they didn't hear my cry, they ignored my wishes. Wanda Cooper Jones said that we got a victory today, but that's because this family fought on January 31st to get us to this point. What the DOJ did today is what they were made to do by their family today. And she went on to talk about this being a small victory. Wanda Cooper Jones said, this is a small victory, but we'll never have victory because Ahmad is gone forever. She said, as a mother, I'll never get over the hurt. But this is just one step towards this greater idea and this greater push for justice, which is criminal in the murder case, federal in the hate crimes case, and they're also looking for civil justice in trying the former district attorney, Jackie Johnson, and anyone else that was involved in that obstruction case. Haley, you've been covering this case since May of 2020. How would you say that it has impacted you personally? I think it impacts me the way it impacts many people that have been involved in this case from the beginning. It has been incredibly difficult. On its face, it is a murder case. And so the graphic evidence in a murder and the gruesome murder scene It sticks with you. It's difficult to see. It's difficult to forget. And you can't help but feel for the people that are involved, especially the the family of the victim. I've met with this family countless times, and I've seen their tears, their anger, their anguish. And so it's been a very, very heavy emotional case. But I, I can't imagine what it feels like for the people that are directly involved, that live with this every day and that live with this reality in this community and that have fought for justice. Of course, I've covered this as a reporter trying to get both sides, but also be very, very clear on what has happened here and that there was a true injustice in a murder that was committed. And so the evidence became overwhelmingly clear after a while that there was no way to skirt around how ugly the racism was. There was really no way to avoid telling that part of the story. That was the ugly truth of what happened here. You report fairly as a journalist. You report the facts. You take your own personal emotion out of it. But it's an emotionally heavy case, and I don't think that any human being that has a heart can walk away from this unaffected. Haley Mason, thank you so much for all of your work and for bringing our listeners your firsthand up-to-date information about the caves. Thank you so much. I appreciate you for the opportunity again. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com That concludes this bonus episode of Jury Duty, The Killing of Ahmaud Arbery. You can find Haley Mason on Twitter at at HaleyMasonTV. That's at H-A-Y-L-E-Y-M-A-S-O-N-T-V. This episode was hosted and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced and edited by Chris Tarakon. Music was provided by Strike Audio. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty.